Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 171, and we are recording on Monday, February 19th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you doing today? I am doing all right. How are you doing? Uh, mildly jet-lagged, um, <laughs> but not too bad. I had a short vacation um, over the weekend. It was like four and a half days, so I just... Flew back from Florida this morning, um, and I am very tired. <laughs> so we'll see how this recording goes. But yeah, my energy has just kind of like I was doing okay when I came home around mid afternoon, and then everything just kind of like seeped out through my ears. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how how long I make it tonight. It happens. It happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, we did a lot of lot of walking. We were in Orlando, so we did two days at Disney, and we did a park hopper day at Universal, and lots of standing in line, lots of walking. I was hoping that going in February would mean fewer crowds, but I (laughs) neglected to take into consideration President's Day weekend, Um, so it was quite busy. (laughs) Um, And there were some rides, like, I can't remember, I think it was at Animal Kingdom, there was the Avatar ride um, that had literally a three and a half hour wait. Oh my goodness. And I said, not on your life. Like, I wasn't interested in it anyway, but three and a half hours, oh my good grief. I cannot even imagine what could possibly be worth standing in line for three and a half hours. (laughs) (sighs) But yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, um, I am tired and I have to go back to work tomorrow. So (laughs) (laughs) fun all around. (sighs) But, um, have you been reading anything interesting over the last couple of weeks since we have last convened? Well, I've mostly been reading for this podcast, but I did kind of stumble my way into a book talk account. So that's been really interesting of now having a book talk account and figuring out what on earth book talk is like from the creator side. So I think that's always really interesting. And so like I've been getting a lot of thriller recommendations from book talk. So that's been fun. Lots of mysteries, like mysteries and thrillers are so strong on TikTok. Um, It'll be really exciting to see what I find out and can share with listeners on there. So, I mean, it's a good time. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing how prominent or like how much influence book talk has right now on publishing trends and just people getting recommendations. And I've mentioned this before, but 
I can usually tell which patrons at my library, like they'll come in and they'll ask for certain books. And I'm like, you're on TikTok, aren't you? (laughs) Um, And it's interesting to see it kind of cycle through. I mean, there's always trends, always cycle, popular authors always cycle, but it just seems so concrete and so prominent right now. And the books that I've been seeing come up are primarily, at least in terms of our patrons' interests, are romances, historical fiction, and romanticy. Um, There have been a couple of mystery and thriller titles um, that pop up when you think about which books people are, you know, which, which mysteries people are requesting. But like, you know, what, like, have you, have you seen any particular titles that you, uh, that stand out to you? Like, oh yeah, these are coming up a lot. I mean, Riley Sager is yeah. one that I noticed. I thought you'd be excited about that. I have seen an increase in people asking about Riley Sager. Yes, it's been super. It's super interesting. I even follow people who his taste may not over like align with mine, just because they have interesting content. Um, so I've been seeing that. I mean, obviously the Colleen Hoover, a lot of lot of romanticy on that side, but in mysteries. Um, it's more thrillers. Um, I've seen some, saw some Louise Penny the other day, Mm -hmm. which was exciting. Um, but honestly, a a lot of mystery and thrillers that I've like up, you know, I I didn't really have an interest in reading per se. So I kind of been interested in why so many people like love these books and like books that I wouldn't have picked up. I'm like, okay, what's going on? I did Mm -hmm. see Alex. Alex McAleeds? Yes, I did see him on there. And I did not like his most recent book. I was not a big fan. So it's been interesting to see that book hit TikTok. So the fury's all over TikTok, but people either really enjoy it or they really dislike it. I haven't seen a lot of people in between. So I'm interested to see what happens with that. Yeah, um, his books have been popular for a while, um, or at least, and I see them on the you know best of TikTok or lists, and we get requests for his books a lot. I I have only read The Silent Patient, um, and that was a few years ago, so I haven't read um, I haven't read his other his other two, but I know I know his name keeps coming up on on TikTok, and is one of the more prominent mystery authors that that keeps popping up. So we'll have to see what happens. I'll be interested to see, you know, at the end of the year, how the Fury does in, in different lists and things because it is so polarizing. But that's kind of – that's that's part of the interest, right, is mm-hmm. that on TikTok people are, are free to give their views on a book or different things. So that's been really fun. Yeah. And generally, middle-of-the-road reviews are not going to get as many clicks as people who either full-out loved a book or people who full-out hated it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, I've been on, you know, BookTube for, you know, since, like, 2017. So, like, that has had a completely – not completely different, but more consistently people have disliked it on BookTube. And so that's been interesting to compare. So I'm just a little stats nerd and I've been enjoying <laughs> like figuring out, okay, what's popular in BookTube versus, you know, book talk? What are the differences? And so if I figure it all out, or at least part of it out, I'll come back and report and we can talk <laughs> about it. But if people are in book talk, please come find me at Kendra Winchester. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm having a good time. <laughs> 
you know? So I would love to know any recommendations you have. Um, I did uh, a TikTok today about, uh, you know, Beyonce's new song is trending, right? So I did a song of um, books set in the South by Black authors and Attica Locke was like first book. Um, and so, yeah, so that's exciting. Well, you are, you are just throwing me a fastball right down the middle of the I plate am. for a segue <laughs> into our next segment, but we've got a couple of sponsors to get to first. Um, do you want to give us our first one? Yes. So we're going to leave, this is like a cliffhanger. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Book Riot is known for the Read Harder Challenge, and this is the 10th year for the Read Harder Challenge. So if you want to work through the 24 tasks, that's two tasks a month on average, obviously. Um, and it's meant to expand your reading horizons and diversify your TBR in a lot of different ways. So uh, you and so what we're talking about today is that they now have a new newsletter for the Read Harder Challenge. It's called the Read Harder Newsletter, as it says on the tin. And what it will do is give you recommendations for the different prompts. So if you get stuck, there's recommendations. And if you subscribe to the subscriber option of the newsletter, you can also have like these little um, there's like these little chat things that you get access to, and then you can ask your fellow subscribers what they recommend for a particular challenge. It helps you problem solve and complete the challenge. If uh, you know you see a book is trending, which is something that I see a lot, um, and people are really reading this book for a particular challenge, you can join in the conversation. There are so many different options, and you can find a community that's equally passionate um, in finding uh, a more diverse selection of books to read. So definitely check out um, the Read Harder newsletter. So visit bookriot.com slash read harder. That's bookriot.com slash read harder. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our first official sponsor. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read, and I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer, always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. 
As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters, and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. All right. So if you are new to the show, welcome. We are so excited to have you. If you are a repeat listener, welcome back. We're so glad we haven't scared you away. (laughs) Um, And like we mentioned at the top of the show, we talk about mysteries and thrillers and pretty much anything that falls under that ginormous literary umbrella. We could be talking about various subgenres, award news, true crime, updates, movie adaptations, author read-alikes, um, book talk trends. I mean, literally, we could. there are so many different ways for us to go with this. And if you have listened to the show before, you know that this is always the part of the episode where we put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any ideas for future episodes. We truly do use these ideas, particularly when we're stuck, which happens maybe more often than you might think, uh, coming up with what to talk about for the next episode. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. And it's been a really good, um, it's, it's been um, a really good strategy over the years. So if you do have any ideas or show suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. Um, we're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. So don't worry about getting it down right now. We just put out the call ahead of time to get those creative juices flowing. You're also welcome to just pop over and say hi, even if you don't have an idea for a future episode. We love hearing from our listeners regardless. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. And then, as I uh, hinted before, so the segue to the first part of our episode um, is the the segue was Attica Locke, and Attica Locke announced a couple of weeks ago that the third book in her Darren Matthews trilogy will be coming out this year, and she announced it in like legitimately the most low-key way possible. (laughs) And I only noticed it because someone else retweeted it and went, oh my gosh, because she just, she included it in just a tweet about, hey, my first two Darren Matthews books, which are Bluebird, Bluebird, and Heaven My Home, they are on sale at Amazon um, if you get the Kindle copy. And oh, by the way, the third book in the trilogy comes out later this year. And so people who actually read the whole tweet were like, what? <laughs> and that was how that came onto my radar. I did not know it was coming out this year. So I literally don't have any other update. I don't know when it's coming out. She has she posted another thing. Again, it was pretty low. It was low key. It was like it w- it was like folded into another tweet like a related tweet but it was like full it wasn't like the main thing there was no big announcement at least not that i saw but if you are an attica lock fan get excited because yes the third book is coming out at some point this year and if you have not yet read bluebird bluebird or heaven my home get on it <laughs> definitely because they're both excellent Yes, yes. I'm 
I'm so excited. I heard rumblings that another one was on the horizon. So I'm so glad that she's confirmed it. And this year. I mean, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Yep. Yep. I, I I get excited when I when I see something like some kind of book news and it's like coming out this year. And I'm like, oh, yay. It's not, it's not, it's not like coming out at some point in 2025, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, I guess we have also have other news. Um, So we have the Agatha Award nominees for 2024 have been announced. Now, these are books that came out in 2023. So just FYI. And there are so many different uh, uh, categories for this award. Um, But it describes that the Agatha Awards honor the traditional mystery. So if you, as as many of you have mentioned um, in messaging us, that you love traditional mysteries. That's just your jam. And if this is what you want, I definitely check out the nominee list because that will give you an incredible TBR. I mean, I went over these um, different books and I was just, you know, there's just so many great ones. So some of the categories are best contemporary mystery novel, best historical mystery novel, debut, nonfiction, children slash young adult, and short story. So, so many different types of mystery books. Um, so from the list that I want to highlight, of course, we have Sujata Massey for the Mistress of, of Bati House, of course, you know, may she reign forever. And that we also have Enola Holmes, the latest installment. I don't know what number we're on at this point, but <laughs> it was nice to see Enola Holmes there. Um, what was some of the ones that stood out to you, Katie? Uh, well, yeah, obviously Sujata Massey for sure. Um, Gigi Pandian and the Raven Thief, um, that uh, is nominated for Best Contemporary Mystery Novel. For under debuts, uh, Nina Simon's Mother Daughter Murder Night, which was one that caught my attention just by the title alone when it came out last year. I think it was also selected for one of the big, uh, one of the big book clubs, like uh, Hello Sunshine or Good Morning America or something like that. So that one, I I remember seeing that come up um, when they made when they made that announcement. There under nonfiction, there are there's not one but two different titles about uh, the life of Edgar Allan Poe. So Ooh, Warring Poe books, that's exciting. Yes, Warring <laughs> Poe books. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. It, puns are not usually my thing, but I'm sitting here trying to come up with a pun for that. <laughs> um, yeah, so a lot of the authors I am actually not as familiar with. They definitely do trend towards the quote-unquote cozy end of the spectrum. So if that is where you like to hang out, you may recognize more of these authors than I do. But as always, you know, award winners are fun, but the nominee lists are where the real fun is because <laughs> it just so many options to make your uh, just to make your make your reading list explode. So hashtag sorry, not sorry. <laughs> but yeah, definitely take a look at the list. We'll have we'll have that linked in the show notes. Yes. All right. So for this episode we we as in Kendra and I were talking I think during our last recording after we finished about how both of us are really digging true detective night country now I will say just real quickly I have not yet seen the last episode because I was gone 
my husband and I are going to watch it either tonight or, you know, sometime this week, but we're going to finish it. So no spoilers, (laughs) but talking about the show made us decide that even though it is still cold in many parts of the world, (laughs) we would like to, we were inspired to pick up some cold weather thrillers. Yes. It's, I mean, look, Night Country is amazing. I think it is the best season of True Detective they've ever made. I'm throwing it, I'm throwing the gauntlet. I'm throwing the gauntlet down. Um, It's so good. And it covers so many different areas, you know, from the, you know, MMIW, the murdered and missing indigenous women and girls, like from that movement to talking about, you know, crime rates in Alaska and what that looks like and just all sorts of different things. I just had, you know, no idea about, and I feel like it covered so many different things in such an incredible way. It was creepy. It was delightful. It was meaningful. I it introduced really... us to the word corpsicle. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's this one moment where there's a frozen, we'll just say a frozen body, and someone grabs onto it and something breaks off, and I screamed out loud. <laughs> and my husband was like, what? <laughs> I, I'm always going, it's nothing. It's just the TV. <laughs> So, um, you know, it was, you know, it's a great, it's a great season. So very excited about that. But yeah, inspired, you know, not inspired the writers, but inspired us to lean more towards cold weather books. And there's one that, you know, we didn't do this intentionally, but we are both kind of featuring uh, books by the same author. And um, I I think that's great because we're kind of, I guess, kind of going to book club it a little bit. And that's very exciting. Yeah. Um, Well, with that, let me go ahead and jump in because I uh, picked the first book, um, books one and two in the series, and I have mentioned it before on this show as one that I have been meaning to read, and I finally got around to it, and that is City Under One Roof by Iris Yamashita. And this came out, ooh, I want to say like, yep, just about a year ago at the beginning of 2023 and it the premise just intrigued me immediately and and then as my husband and I started hypothetically and then more concretely planning our vacation this year which is going to be to Alaska which is where the story takes place I was like oh my gosh I have to read this book so this book takes place in the fictional town of Point Meteor, Alaska, where everyone who lives, who permanently lives in town, they live in a single high-rise building, um, and everything is contained within the confines of this large building. General store, there's like a bed and breakfast that occupies like you know several rooms on a particular floor there's the school is there like everyone lives in this building and this is actually based on an actual town in Alaska and for the life of me I cannot remember the actual name of the town but this is an actual place where most of the residents live in this single building and in the story the story kicks off, so to speak, when a uh, group of teenagers discover um, 
a severed hand and foot that washed up on the shore, which they said it had been happening in other places because of um, cruise ships that go by. If, you know, if someone falls overboard, whether accidental or on purpose, sometimes stray, you know, stray hands and feet. I don't know another way to describe it, just kind of wash up. Um, but this, so they, they discover his hand and foot on the beach and this registers with Cara Kennedy, um, who is a detective from Anchorage. Now she is not actually on the, she's like on suspension or, you know, leave kind of thing, but she gets wind that this has happened and she thinks that um this may have connect have a connection to the disappearance of her husband and son from a year ago so she comes into town pretending like she's still a full-fledged detective from anchorage who's investigating the case even though she's not really and then while she's in there or while she's in the town there's a blizzard that closes down the tunnel which is the only way in and out of the city which is another feature that is actually a thing in alaska there's a tunnel that switches direction every like half hour or something like that and it is the primary way in and out of you know certain area uh near anchorage and so she uh finds herself stranded and then um and then there are other things that that show up. She learns more about the residents. Pretty much everyone has something to hide. Is this connected to the disappearance of her husband and son? You'll have to read the book to find out. But I really liked this one. Um, I there there were a few there were a few points where I was like I'm like. Okay, some of these investigative strategies that they're using have a, have a few plot holes in them, but it was a really entertaining read. I think I read like three quarters of it in one sitting and just kind of tore through it. And it was, yeah, it this book is one that you read for the sense of place. It is so unusual that it's it's fascinating absolutely fascinating and like i said it is based on a real area in alaska um and yeah it's for me the setting is what makes this book what it is and to link it back just a little bit to true detective that especially this most recent season the setting is one of the things that keeps bringing me back the the isolated uh town of Ennis in Alaska by the by the Arctic Circle like that is one of the biggest compelling things for watching that show it just keeps pulling me back um so yeah I really liked it and I'm really glad that I um I'm really glad that I read it before our vacation and I also like, we we don't have plans to visit the actual town, high rise town in Alaska, but they describe it as like, you know, a tourist attraction. Almost people kind of like come to see this unusual thing and then they leave and the, and you know, the residents 
you know, they do what they can to make money off of, off of the people that come through. Um, but I was just like, it also made me stop and think a little bit about like, okay, as tourists, what are we, you know, what are we potentially going to be doing and making sure that we are not, you know, like making plans to like invade someone's hometown as like, you know, as as a sightseeing expedition because i'm like oh it's just so weird anyway um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go off on a long rambling tangent if you let me but (laughs) um so so you read this one as well right kendra yes yes i finished it in a day i was was listening to it even um i found it really interesting one of the things that I loved was how cinematic the book is. The author is an Academy Award winning nominated yes. screenwriter. And you can tell like there is a sense like the strengths of this author's work is plotting and the way that she understands a scene and the way that it works and all of that. And so while at times the writing was not the greatest, you could still see the bigger picture. And I'm willing to invest in you know, an author when they're first learning, you know, like novel writing and all of these different things. I think that that's important because you can see the talent, right? Just needs time to like gestate for lack of a better term, just needs experience. And so I definitely felt that in, in the book. Um, and like you said, there are only a few things that I wasn't like a big fan of, like there's a, a disabled character in the book. And yeah. on one hand, I really loved that there's community care in this book. The entire community loves her and cares for her in the own way. They just let her be herself. She has a pet moose that she I like. I love the pet moose. It's amazing. And like, she, you know, she like cares for him. And that's a big part of her. Um, it's, it's almost like how people use horse therapy, you know, mm-hmm. um, but she cares for him. And that is really something that drives her. But from the POV chapters, from her perspective, I was like, I'm, I'm not entirely sure about this, um, but I did appreciate that the community, there was, you know, there's a sense that she's just herself and she should be allowed to be herself and that's and that's it. And I was worried that the plot would go in a certain direction. It did not. And I was so yeah. happy, <laughs> you know, so I felt like that was well, you know, well, well done. So I think just go into it with an air of, you know, um, you know, understanding or whatever. But I feel like overall I was deeply fascinated and like you said it's like a completely you know a place i'd never you know couldn't even have imagined and so just learning more about it was fascinating and the setting is such a vibrant place yeah um, yeah it was um yeah it was just so so interesting and yes i was so excited she makes money by letting people that character she she makes money during the summer by letting tourists take pictures with her pet moose and i'm like okay if we run into someone who has a pet moose all bets are off i am totally throwing my money at that person (laughs) (laughs) i I want a picture with the moose that is, and it's like you know, in the they have the one building, and so this one woman bought an entire floor of the building, and that's like the hotel for like the whole town, and so she's like this really crabby soul, and uh, I loved her in so many ways. Mm-hmm. She has like these like bird watching or no whale watching binoculars whale watching. that she actually uses to watch people, which obviously, yes. Uh, so that was delightful, and I just love. 
um, a crabby older woman who has a backstory. And we get her backstory in the second book, which I was so thrilled. I can't really? even tell you. Okay. Yes. I, am, I am very intrigued now. And the last thing that I'm going to mention about this book, holy cow, does it end – like when it ends, you immediately want to be like, oh my gosh, where is book two? Like yes. immediately. So I have not yet um, gotten my hands on a copy of book two, but I will soon. And before I have you jump into your uh, description of book two, Kendra, let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our second sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations, a granddaughter and a grandmother, coming to terms with what it means to be family, Black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Inez Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, Black resistance, and the enduring power of family. Narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Anise Hegler, the Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy. Both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into the light to find a path to healing. Known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis, drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the South, Mary Inez Hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled Troubled Waters. Make sure to pick it up. Thanks again to Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters, for sponsoring this episode. All right, Kendra, tell us about book two. Okay, so after the end of City Under One Roof, the first book, um, we move to Village in the Dark, which is the second book. And this book continues the arc that was in the first book. So I think the overarching arc is pretty obviously, um, you know, Kara Kennedy's missing husband and son. So we continue that arc into the second book. And it focuses on... Um, the woman who runs the inn. And so what's interesting, I wonder if the author is going to continue featuring one character from the town. Cause we have like just some major characters from the town. Like we featured, like there is a Chinese restaurant. So the woman who owns that and her daughter, the daughter was a POV character in book one. Um, and Lonnie was, you know, the, uh, the woman with intellectual disabilities. She was a character, a POV character in one. So this time we get, um, the innkeeper 
And she has an incredible backstory that right up front, you I think in the first book, it mentions that she's been to prison. So we find out why she's been to prison. I won't spoil it. And so some of her past comes forward in the um, in the mystery. And the mystery is definitely delving into more of Kara Kennedy's investigation of her son and uh, her husband. And then we also get a brand new character. Her name is Mia, and she um, is of indigenous um, descent from Japan. So um, I think it's the Aino people in Japan. They're an indigenous um, people group there. And so somehow like she, her mom is from there and she met this, you know, white guy from Alaska and they got married and they moved to Alaska. And so she often passes as native Alaskan. And so she is trying to make her way through the world coming from an incredibly isolated um, village of mostly indigenous people. So it's really fascinating to see Mia move through the world and how like that connects with Kara's story. You continue to see, you know, Yamashita's understanding of like plot. It just continues. It feels so tangled in the middle of the book, but then like she begins to be like, oh, okay, this is how it's going to end. And it's just been very impressive on that part. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I like that. She is continuing, at least somewhat, with uh, some of the characters from the first one, even though it's kind of venturing into new territory. And um, yeah, because my my understanding is that this book does not does the does the main story actually take place in Point Medier? I know that, uh, for example, the police officer who assists her in book one i know he's in book two but does this does this take place inside point medier or like or outside in some other location so they actually go back and forth between the two places because you have the innkeeper and how her um past is connected to the case that carol kennedy is working on and so we we go to both places and so they're moving back and forth and so that's really interesting to see and uh, I really, I don't know, I just really am enjoying the innkeeper character. She's delightful. And yeah, just, I, I feel like, you know, this book, I there's just so much. There's just so much this book that I feel like that um, Yamasha has with storytelling. I think that, I think that's a good word for it. The strength of the storytelling is, is really good. Um, so that is Village in the Dark by Irish Yamascha. And before that, we were talking about City Under One Roof, the same author. And this is part of the Kara Kennedy series. So definitely check it out. The second book in the series um, just came out on February 13th. So it's ready. Go for <laughs> it. <laughs> yes. All right. So my second non-Irish Yamashita pick is... You Will Never Be Found by Tuva Alsterdahl. And this book um, was, this book came out a couple of, a couple of years ago, fall of 2021. Now I will give a heads up. I had every intention to finish this one. I thought I was going to have time to finish this while I was on vacation. I was like, okay, there's going to be, you know, some downtime. I use that downtime for sleeping. So um, unfortunately, I have not finished the book, but the premise, it's very much a cold weather thriller. And I think it very much 
you know, connects with the theme. So the basic premise. Um, so this is actually the second book in a series. Um, so we have um, Ira, who is a uh, detective in Sweden, and she first appears in the book, We Know You Remember. And in this book, so far, they make references to the story and the events of book one, but so far it is not essential to your understanding of the story in book two, although it does you know, it does indicate some spoilers about what happened in book one. So if you are very much a series person or think you might want to read book one as well, maybe read that one and then come back to this one because they do give a, they do mention some key details. But anyway, so there is a um, there is a small mining town in Sweden, north of the Arctic Circle. Again, geographically speaking, we are in true detective night country territory. And the um, the residents of this mining town are being located or being relocated, I should say, because the mine um, that the town grew around is kind of collapsing on itself. Um, and so like streets are being taken out and buildings. Um, and so people are relocating and before their before the you know the ground falls out from underneath their house and there are still a few people that are hanging on to their homes and um the at the beginning of the book they he, um there are two uh there are two men in town and they hear a sound coming from a basement and they they break they break a window and they find a man in the basement curled up in the corner now, far, it says 700 kilometers away. I don't know what that is in miles because, of course, we don't use the metric system in the U.S. Um, but that's where we come in with Ira. She is investigating the disappearance of a man. Um, his ex-wife has reported him missing. His daughter has tried to fi find out what she can. They search his apartment. They don't find any signs of uh, they don't find any signs of a struggle or foul play. But then if, you know, you put two and two together, they realize someone comes across the man in the basement who unfortunately has died. And they're like, oh, this is the missing man we've been looking for. And it turns out something, something foul indeed uh, did indeed happen to him. And yes, so that is kind of the, that's the point where I am at, and they're starting to put together the clues to figure out, okay, what happened to him? Because they can't pinpoint all of his last moments. Like the last, his last known location uh, was from uh, a cell phone signal, like two days before he was reported missing, I think. Um, and then interspersed with this story, there um, there are a lot of character moments from uh, Ira and uh the other characters as well. You get information about her family life in um, a couple of ways. Um, you get some information about the relationships that she has had with some of her coworkers, the affairs that she's had, which is a small connection, but if you've seen True Detective Night Country, you'll understand the connection there. Um, now, uh, I will point 
out that uh, some reviewers have said that, like, if you read the synopsis, that's like on Goodreads, for example, it is more it it suggests that there's more there there's it focuses more on like you know a, an affair that she has with a coworker, but they're like, no, not really. It's and part of that is also the the writing style. If you've read Nordic Noir, you know it is very. Um, you know, is bleak. It's very straightforward. It's uh, the translations are not particularly, you know, it's uh, these types of books are not usually very, you know, flowery and descriptive language. It doesn't necessarily um, appeal strongly to different emotions. It's a very straightforward um, type of storytelling. So if you read the synopsis and you're thinking the, you may think that the um, that the affairs and the connections um, that she has with her coworkers, um, in, you may think that it makes up a bigger part of the story than it does, or that other people have said it does. So, um, just something to be aware of going in. But yes, I have what I have uh, finished so far has been very has been uh, very interesting. And as they have started to gather evidence and talk to people, they and starting to find actually helpful information. They talk to a lot of people who don't have helpful information, or at least as of right now, it's not helpful. Um, so as they are starting to put to find more, you know, useful clues, I'm like, okay, it's uh, you know, it's picking up and um, it's and is getting more and more interesting but this one again strong sense of place strong like the setting and the <laughs> the temperature is is very very prominent and i think like i think that that's the case with i think all of our picks or any book that we had picked for cold weather thriller, the, the setting, the weather, the location, that is one of the big driving forces of these stories. Um, but again, yeah, this book is You Will Never Be Found by Tuva Alsterdahl. And this is the second book in the series. If you want to read the first one, that is called We Know You Remember. And my pick is the war. Well, I guess my second pick, I should say. But anyway, my second pick, I went with more cold winter vibes. So this is not set near the Arctic um, or in the extreme north. It's actually set in Belgium in uh, 19, the winter of 1917, 1918. And so this is the warm hands of ghosts. And I know I've talked about it already, but like, look, friends, this book, it is so good. <laughs> I know if you probably listened, if you probably if you listen to other book right podcasts, you probably heard Liberty talk about it as well. But <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about it because in you know True Detective Night Country, there are supernatural elements to the story that you're kind of sitting on the edge of like, how is this involved? And so that is kind of how the horror elements of this story are are part of it as well. So we have it's during World War One. We have Laura, who is a nurse, and she is returned to Halifax, Canada, where she's from, after being injured on the front. Um, she was working as a nurse on the trenches, and while she's there in Halifax, Halifax is is attacked, and her parents die um, almost instantly. And so she is still trying to figure out her life while helping care for the wounded there. But then she receives the effects of her brother, Freddie, who is still in the trenches as a soldier. 
And it's not right. There's just something off about it. And she's actually living with these three women that are almost like the fates or something. (laughs) And they do like these seances that were super popular, you know, at the time. And they say that her brother Freddie isn't dead. And so she gets a little note with it um, from some unknown person that says, um, Freddie, something about something about Freddie being alive and that you know, they're going to try to return him or Freddie isn't gone, completely gone. Anyway, it's a very cryptic message. So she decides to volunteer to go back to the front lines, even with her injury of being, you know, like shot in the leg. She got shrapnel in her leg. Anyway, so she goes back. And so we get that her story and then we alternate with Freddie's perspective from several months before. And so we're going back and forth. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about this book is like the horror elements are actually the real the reality of war. And I think that that's something that's incredibly difficult to do. The scary things aren't the ghosts in the cupboard, but the realities that human beings have actually lived through. And so what happens to Freddy in like the first bit is that he um, ends up in this pillbox. So it's like a, I don't know, like some sort of tank machine thing. And um it's so tiny, and that's why they call it a pillbox. He and a German shoulder are stuck in the pillbox, and it's so freezing, and they manage to get out, and their job is to find you know, safety somewhere. They don't know what, what direction they're walking in, but it's chapters of them in the winter, wet, snow. Like It is, it is very cold. It's... <laughs> So there's all the supernatural elements. So I feel like it would it's such a great fit of cold weather because um it's it's so freezing. I just thinking about it, I feel cold. It's like it's wet cold, right? Because they're soaked, because it's you know, raining, there's snow, it's freezing, it's ugh. um, I can only I can only imagine. So you have chapters of that, and then um, you know, you have his sister trying to find trying to find him and so there's just a lot and there are supernatural elements like really blatant ones that happen in the second half of the book and i'm not going to tell you about them because it's a spoiler but um it's such a good book oh my goodness i think i can call it early i think this might be in my top 10 wow of the year wow she's calling it early I, it rare, yeah it's it's february <laughs> Um, but you know, I think the it's historical fiction and it's done so well. And so I pre-ordered a copy of the Barnes and Noble special edition, which has some notes from Catherine Arden about her research. And if you like cold stories in general, Catherine Arden has a whole series of like this like Russian-inspired winter fairy tale trilogy, a start that begins with the bear and the nightingale. So there's a bonus recommendation. Um, <laughs> yes, and I believe one of my friends, at least one of my friends, read it and really liked and uh, really liked it. So, um, second possible uh, <laughs> uh, testimony for that one. But yeah, it sounds so good. And yeah, when you're talking about the cold, wet, and just you know, I don't like either of those things. Um, and even though I have never had to go through the extremes of warfare and having to survive those things, just my, my very, very, very limited experiences of like, you know, trying to shovel my car out from the parking lot. I know it sounds flippant for me to say that, but it is one of the most miserable feelings to, ugh, the, yeah, the cold, the wet, 
And when you have those two, it just seeps into your bones like nothing else. Yes, yes, for sure. And uh, yeah, and there's just all sorts of creepy elements. And I just really love that Catherine Arden leaned into horror after her middle grade horror series. So um, absolutely love The Warm Hands of Ghosts by Catherine Arden. All right. So if any of you have other cold weather thrillers or true detective Rita likes that you'd like to uh, send our way, please do. I actually checked out like a stack of books knowing I wasn't going to get through all of them or any of them before the podcast, but I had so many that I could possibly choose from <laughs> that I was just like, why choose now? Um, so there are so many options here. And which is good for me because, yeah, I want to kind of keep riding those true detective vibes for as long as I can. Um, so with that, really quickly, we have our new releases. And my new release is or the one that I picked is actually one that I if we had had more time for our uh, most anticipated episode, I would have included this one in there. But there was just so much competition. Anyway, this one is called Island Witch by Amanda Jayatisa. And this one is out on February 20th. So by the time you listen to this episode, it will be in stores. It is set in 19th century Sri Lanka and is inspired by local folklore. So um, you have Amara, who is the daughter of the village demon priest. And so she has usually kept to herself, um, but this is taking place during a time of heavy colonization. The British have come over, brought their religious practices with them, and so villagers who once respected her father have turned on him, but they all still seem to call on him whenever something supernatural happens. Funny how that works out. And so now there is someone or something who it, or that is seizing men in the jungle. But instead of going to Amara's father this time, the villages have accused him of actually carrying out the attacks himself. So Amara is trying to clear her father's name, but she is also being haunted by dreams that seem to predict what's what the the attacks and what's happening on the island and she feels like there is some connection to um the this episode in her past where she was recovering from an illness and she woke up to hear her mother crying but no one can find out what actually happened so yeah i this besides having just a an incredible plot summary this cover is gorgeous and this was the first that th that captured my attention first and then i read the story and i was just like oh my gosh i am sold <laughs> so i am so excited for this one and that is island witch by amanda jayatisa and my pick is the bad ones by melissa albert it comes out on february 20th so it'll be already out by the time you're listening to this and this is like a supernatural horror novel. Um, so basically, we have on one winter's night, continuing cold theme apparently, four <laughs> people vanish without a trace. And so one of the people who disappear is named Becca and their friend Nora. Um, it's kind of like their strange best friend. 
So Nora is trying to figure out what on earth happened to Becca and kind of delves into the town's dark past and like what on earth is going on. Um, and that there's some sort of legendary goddess involved. I, it just, it sounds like an incredible, creepy, mysterious horror book that sounds terrifying honestly um there's like it's it's described as an arresting crossover horror fantasy threaded with dark magic um and the, it's about like semi-toxic best friendship and the occult power of childhood play and artistic creation does that sound creepy or what like <laughs> yep <laughs> that that sounds really creepy so if you want a creepy book um, definitely check out The Bad Ones by Melissa Albert. And all right. Well, that's our show. Uh, thanks so much to everyone for listening. Thanks, uh, of course, to our wonderful sound editor, Caitlin Brame, who always makes it sound wonderful. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, you can head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out all of Book Riot's podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or you can head... Uh, to uh, your favorite podcatcher and just search Book Riot and there'll be all sorts of podcasts at your fingertips. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you could reach us at writerdead at bookriot.com. Uh, otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at Katie Winchester and apparently now on Book Talk <laughs> at Kendra Winchester. You can find Katie on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we'll talk to y'all next time. Bye.